Excellent. An ale for me. And for my officers. In fact, ales for everyone. Turn backwards. With Rick and Rick and Will and Zemma. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Ten Backward, a Star Trek podcast based here in the UK, featuring myself, Will Turland, a lady who's sat just to the right of me, Gemma Turland. Hello. A man who is, I can see his face over the internet, uh, Rip Palmer. Greetings. And then another man whose face I can also see over the internet, Rick Everson. Hello. Hello. <laughs> And today we are going to be talking about um, we're going to be talking about situations where characters have done things that we don't necessarily agree with, and we maybe think they shouldn't have gone away with it. Hmm. And we'd, we'd we'd like to we'd like to to bring them to task on it. Yes. <laughs> so it's kind of. This like uh, this this was um, my idea, and that this came from. I was thinking a lot about how in the an episode that we looked at recently, um, which is the one where Quark uh, transitions into a into a woman to do um, a business deal, effectively, and it's handled as sensitively as you would imagine a nineties uh, TV show would handle it, as in not. Not very sensitively at all. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> but yeah, and, and you know, if you're interested in listening to, to that episode where we um, we dissect, uh, oh, what's that episode called? Um, Profit and Lace. Profit and, and, Profit and Lace. Lace. Yes. yes, Profit and Lace. So if you want, if you want to check out the podcast where we discuss that episode, it's it's a good fun debate. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yes, on, yeah. on a bit of a, a bit of a stinker of an episode. Um, but yeah, I'm, I was thinking about Dr. Bashir's actions in that episode where because the plot said that it had to happen, Dr. Bashir, without batting an eyelid, agrees to transition Quark into a woman. He he never questions really the the ethics or the, the morality in doing that. Um, he doesn't think about what sort of impact that might have on Quark and about what, how is, is it the right thing to do and he doesn't, he just does it Dr. Bashir certainly did a wonderful job on you, I'd call the operation a complete success It must have been a very delicate procedure Tell me about it There It kind of occurred to me this happens sometimes in Star Trek um, that characters seem to make uh, sort of ethical decisions that we think. Hang, hang on a minute. Yeah, is that on. right? Is that morally correct? Yeah, and like sometimes it's a big thing. Sometimes it's um, you know it's it's a decision that dominates the whole episode, or sometimes it's like a little throwaway thing that happens to speed the plot forward, where um, you kind of think ah, that's not right. Mm. Um, <laughs> So what, what we decided to do, the format for this episode, is we've each picked um, uh, a thing that we want to talk about, and we're going to talk about that thing. Um, and then we're going to debate whether whether the actions in that episode, whether we think that was right or wrong. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, it would be funny if in Star Trek there was this thing where the doc- whenever a doctor did like a massive procedure, 
like Dr. Bashir does with Quark, he sort of laid it out like, well, it's easier for us to do the surgery and we can do it, but the amount of pain and recovery time is still mm. the same. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have to be and still. psychologically the psychological yeah, trauma it will still that doesn't change. It's just we can do it more like the technology allows us just to do it easier. Everything else is still as traumatic. Yes. Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> Maybe they can fast track the admin in the <laughs> century as well, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but should, should we start by just thinking of, because uh, we, we've each sort of picked a thing that we were going to talk about. Should we talk about, let, let's just, let's just list off a series of examples where this has happened. Um, outside of the thing that we, we were going to talk about, because I had quite a few that I thought of that I've, I've not ended up going for. Yeah. Um, one, one that occurred to me when you suggested it, and I've, uh, this, that's not my one I'm going to go on to, but Star Trek Two, Kirk is advised by Sarvik to raise the shields. He doesn't. Bam, Khan mm. fires. People get killed, you know, and that, the whole course of that battle would have gone very differently if Kirk had just flipping listened. But mm-hmm. and 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 Spock enables this because Spock is all like, "Oh, the captain knows what he's doing, Sarvik." Um, <laughs> clearly, he didn't. It's clearly, Sarvik was worth listening to there, and a lot of lives could have been saved. And Kirk isn't pulled up on it. Um, no, I think isn't. In fact, he's kind of his approach is sort of validated later on because Savik learns that you know sometimes you can't always do everything by the book. Um, yeah, but actually, at that point, but in that case, suggest- probably should have. Yeah, the book was right. Sometimes the book's right. <laughs> yeah, that's why the book's there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it wouldn't have been as good a movie, but. But we're not dealing with with with, with that, those facts. We're dealing with the fact that Kirk went and clearly did something stupid and should have got punished for it. Right. I mean, in that light, I mean, I think we should we should you know what? A, how about is it SETI Alpha Four? SETI Alpha Four. How like it disintegrating? That sets in a it sets in is it which is it is SETI Alpha Four which this is no it's six right? It, they, it, six. they put Khan on five and six, and six exploded. Yeah. That. But they, I mean, they, they I, turn up I, thinking I'm not sure about you guys, but six. I think I think Setting Alpha Six has a lot to answer for in that in <laughs> Star Trek Two. I mean, it could not have done that. <laughs> right? I mean, I think I think Setting Alpha Six it could have gone. I could, I could not explode. I mean, I I feel like <laughs> I should, but maybe maybe I'd just do some volcanoes for a while, like some volcanoes somewhere. Um, <laughs> You know, but it decided it decided without without consulting anyone just to do this. I mean, so I mean, I'm not I'm not someone who normally blames planets because yeah, you know, planets got to do what a planet's got to do. But but I think in this instance, City Alpha Six could have could have seen found a way not to explode, and then Carl would have been and Carl would have been happy. Khan would have been happy, and none of that would have happened. <laughs> you, you could argue as well that the like the Federation had a duty of care to to you know they abandoned Khan on that planet. They they should at least have checked in to make sure. Okay, so it was a surprise that, <laughs> that Seti Alpha Six exploded, <laughs> but still, and even Khan makes the point like they they didn't care. The Federation didn't care. They didn't come back to check. Mm-hmm. 
I think, um, to be fair, Will, I think that's a, a far more insightful comment on, <laughs> uh, on that situation than than the one I just made. <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I'm gonna agree. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah I mean you could argue that there are um, a lot of decisions in Voyager that that Janeway makes um, that were questionable and I mean we could have we we may well indeed do a whole episode on on Tuvix at some point Um, I can save us some time that was fine that was was completely fine okay (laughs) Well, needs are the many versus needs are the one. Tuvix was being selfish because he wanted to live at the cost of two lives. Yeah, I guess. But he Tuvix was a person, right? Yeah, but he's also kind of a jerk. <laughs> but, you know, okay. Tuvok and Neelix are both persons in their own right. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, ultimately, this- it, it comes down to numbers. And this was the complexity of the decision that, that Janeway was facing, to be fair. Um, no, not complex, easy decision. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very firm view on T-Vex. You're very black and white about this. Well, like either black or white, whichever one is, yeah. is you, what you've decided. <laughs> not together, obviously. <laughs> no, no, no grey, just separate black and white. Yeah, that's very much the point, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, and that you know, there are there are quite a few points where where Janeway could be argued crosses the line, um, and although Chakotay would often bring her up on it, mm. um, yeah, well, that's that's the thing. That's that was probably some of Voyager's best moments was when Janeway was going too far. Um, Equinox, in particular, I think, was a good one. She was going off the deep end, and Chakotay was trying to pull her back in. So, Scorpion as well. Yes. Those, and those are, but those are great episodes. Like mm. the yeah. like tension, tension between the first officer and the captain is always great drama because because I feel like that 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 microcosm of a relationship probably re- represents like the macrocosm of the fandom. Like you're going to mm. have people who who see yeah. the other sides of of yeah, the, 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 you're going to get people who side with characters and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say like Janeway is probably more in terms of like the cowboy diplomacy aspect of Star Trek captains. I would say that she's she's up there in terms yeah. of in, ter- in terms of those sorts of behaviours. I mean, certainly in the uh, the finale of Voyager, where future Janeway decides to come back mm-hmm. and just um, uh, re- rewrite history, basically. To make sure things went her way, um, I, I, I've always had a bit of a problem with, with her. She is being sanctioned, isn't she? In that, I mean, they are going after her. Yes, yeah, that's I true. Mean, she yeah, she's not being sanctioned. She's being, yeah, yeah, the opposite. Of, well, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose well, yeah. you could use that. Yeah, as yeah, it, yeah they didn't. Yeah. No one has sanctioned. Yes. It. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah. She, um, yeah, that's a good point, and I suppose so. That's yeah. I guess what we're talking about is examples where like, a character hasn't necessarily been brought up on something, mm. but actually, mm. yeah, Janeway was, you know, pursued mm-hmm. and, um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But still, she did it. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I suppose with Janeway, it's, it's, it's established that prior to being a captain, she was a science officer. So I guess maybe she's, weirdly, she's someone who sizes up things. She analyzes things and just makes decisions based on and what she thinks is right, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sounds almost like mm-hmm. weird to be ir- like almost irrational, but but rational in your own terms based on yeah. the evidence mm-hmm. that you've weighed up. I don't know whether being whether being a scientist ironically makes you more irrational when it comes to command decisions. Um, I'm not sure if that's the case. I don't know what you guys think. Uh, there's a cut line. There's like. I- yeah, we say, I mean, there is a bit of a cold, hard logic mm. to her decisions sometimes. You know, like going back to the Tuvix decision, you know, her, her sort of, um, her kind of viewpoint of, you know, two two lives for, for one life. Like there's a there's a logic with that that you, that you can't really argue with and you can see how that totally makes sense in her head. Mm. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Except that also she wanted one of her best friends back. Yeah. So it was also an emotional <laughs> and, thing. And Neil and, and Neelix. And Neelix. <laughs> <laughs> there should have been a point in two weeks where she was like, is there a way? What if we get Tuvok back? But And Tuvix. Could we, could we, yeah, and Tuvix. <laughs> and can Neelix just stay in the <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk about that later on. <laughs> Like like the um, you got like a, a fox, a chicken, and a bag of poison on an island, and you have to get like you have to work out how to get them onto the shore without you know you know you know that that conundrum. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, poor old no, Neelix is all right. I mean, Neelix is yeah. the chicken. Maybe it's not the bag of poison. That's not fair. <laughs> a bag of poison. <laughs> That's how I get my poison anyway, just in a big old bag. In bags. <laughs> you, get it from, you get it from Boots. Get it for like five pounds a bag. I'm like, what's the, what's, what's the poison for, sir? Uh, I'm not telling you. That's what I say. <laughs> I think in an early Voyager, I think bag of poison was, was an effective nickname for, for Neelix. <laughs> oh, no, poor Neelix. No, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, f- it's food, maybe? <laughs> it's food, maybe that's a... Yeah. Um, and th- another example, I'd, uh, but an example of where um, I think a character was actually brought up on something pretty well is, you know, the episode where Worf, um, uh, he, uh, he saves Jadzia at the expense of a mission, basically, and I can't remember exactly what happens. I think he ends up um, there. There is a um, uh, like an informant that they're meant to be yeah. picking up, and he doesn't. There's a he cardassian. doesn't make yeah informant that they're supposed to retrieve, and yeah. so he, in all his in, all, all of his intelligence is kind of big is a big deal. But he can't leave Jadzia wounded in the forest in the jungle. So yeah, and and Cisco actually really chews him out for it mm. at the end. And he says, you, you know, you, you're probably not going to get a, a command position after this. I don't think Starfleet will file any formal charges. Even a secret court-martial would run the risk of revealing too much about their intelligence operations. But this will go into your service record. And 
to be completely honest, you probably won't be offered a command on your own after this. And I always, I always really liked that because that that was an example of someone breaking the rules uh, and and actually being brought up on it and. Mm. Um, being possible consequences. Yeah, yeah. Consequences are always good because it sort of affirms. Consequences are good because it affirms that the thing that you're invested in, that the characters are part of, is a thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's like it makes it's a real world, you know. Yeah. Not like you can't just get away with something because the plot says it's okay. It's like this is a this is a real place, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. you you break the rules, and it can affect your career. And mm-hmm. although and first, Cisco says, like, if your situation, I would have probably done the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you're, yeah, um, um, but then, and that episode, but that episode also ties into like I feel like it it doesn't it, it ties into a bit of Klingon mythology about <laughs> like the hearts, like two hearts. Yes, yeah, bound, he, he, bound he together. Ref- so it has like that episode has that. It's a great episode. It has that aspect mm. to it as well. Like you, you really understand why the characters are doing the things that they do, and the, and and again, like I think the consequences, they they add to that episode too because because you know that the person's done the right thing, but it's cost them. It's mm. Mm. yeah, yeah. Well, although Cisco had totally forgotten that. Uh, while while Worf <laughs> was serving on the Enterprise, he he murdered and I think ate several crew members <laughs> <laughs> during Genesis. I, I I think you can argue that that wasn't actually Worf doing that. <laughs> it can. was no longer Worf. It was like was it like Spice, lobster like, lobster Worf? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I mean, to be fair, this was one of the this was one of my potential. Yeah. things to to bring a character up on but but he does have a clear defense yeah. he was not himself he had devolved into a kind of a, a, a proto click on it yeah, <laughs> but luckily yeah. Was a spider. someone ate picard's goldfish it was chaos <laughs> <laughs> if anything dr crusher should be brought up on charges for that whole mess because she was the one who started injecting retroviral t-cells or something into barclay and started the whole mess off so this is my fault? No. In a way, it's mine. I didn't realize it at the time, but there's an anomaly in your genetic chemistry that caused the synthetic T-cell to mutate. Instead of activating one dormant gene, it started activating all of them, including your introns. And, and, that's, what, uh, and that's what caused me to de-evolve? You- uh, yeah. That's a good point, actually, yeah. She was actually responsible for several crew members being murdered and eaten. <laughs> and I mean, imagine the letter that had to go home to their families. Yeah. <laughs> imagine being like, oh, that's that's terrible. I'm really upset to hear that poor Jeff was was eaten by Lieutenant Wolf. So I guess he's so he's in I mean he's in the brig, right? He, or he's he's going to Rura Prente, I imagine he's uh no, no, no! He's uh, he's actually been promoted. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He well on DS Nine. What? He murdered my kid. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, your child, your child, your child was a, a snail. So <laughs> we, feel, we, we feel like we feel like. Uh, whilst, whilst very sad, 
being a snail means that it wasn't a murder. <laughs> and it makes you feel better. He was actually quite delicious uh, when when Walt ate him. And... <laughs> yeah. <God>. Oh no. <laughs> Um, but yeah, okay, so yeah, so I didn't pick that one. <laughs> um, one one other example I thought of as well that, that I remember us talking about quite a lot of the time, Gemma, is in Discovery, where um, Pike makes a decision um, to hugely uh, uh, kind of change the oh yeah like, the social structure mm. on the the. Um, the Kelpian, Kelpian planet. planet, yeah, mm. just in a snap. No, they basically found there was a way to trigger the Vahari in all the Kelpians, right. uh, and which right. would normally lead them right. to commit to basically a, a, a ritual suicide. But that's but because they've they been duped it. into thinking by the Baal um, that that's what should happen. When in fact, it's it's it's, it's a stage of, ma- of them maturing into a more capable predator. So they, they take the snap decision to upset the balance on this planet uh, mm. in favour of one species. Um, yes. It's because they because one of their species is a friend. And, um, yeah. It be a violation of General Order 1. Though the Kelpians aren't warp-capable, they've seen warp-capable technology through the Bayul, and they know about space flight. First contact with the Kelpians by Starfleet is a judgment call but our mission to investigate these signals would seem to require it. We can stretch General Order 1, but let's try not to break it in the process. Yeah, I, I kind of take the, the thing that maybe they, they're just restoring the, the, the natural order on that one, though, because... Uh, the, but by, by whose standards? You know, there's been yeah, no... By my standards, Gemma. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, technically, the Baal did have... in enslaved uh, the other species uh, who were a predator and then the bowel fought back against them and created this artificial existence but they weren't they weren't a member of the federation mm. they weren't they had no jurisdiction there they just decided to to barge in and mess about with them basically playing god yeah basically, basically they were like well, we're the, the federation know best mm. we'll 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 put this planet right <laughs> <laughs> i mean okay this was it's pre um, prime directive isn't it Yes. Yeah. Or it, yeah. Mm, so, yeah. so technically, so, so if we were, I mean, th- this would have been a good one to talk about actually, because the defence is so well, they haven't really broken any rules because mm, the prime directive no, isn't in place. But I, I, I do have a problem with. I mean, I, I think, I think my problem is more that this debate didn't happen in the episode. Yes. Um, yeah. Like he, yeah. I think he was briefly challenged by Burnham, mm. uh, and then they just went ahead and did it. Whereas I, I would have liked to have seen them wrestling with mm-hmm. with the morality of this and mm. the possible dressing down at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I think that's a really good point, Will. I think, I think in most of the episodes we're going to discuss is that perhaps there wasn't. As much, wasn't much of a debate about the decisions that some that that, that they made. Yeah, that affect yeah. that affect other civilizations. They just sort of do it, and then once they're going, well, wait a minute. I mean, I'm 
I like Starfleet and I, I believe in what the Federation stands for, but this this feels wrong. Like this is this isn't this isn't what I signed this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. that 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 would be I I mean, I know this is a thread that that Gemma and myself often touch upon <laughs> because it's because it's because it's true. <laughs> but um but I would find that really interesting, and not to the. I don't, you know, like I, I just, I would just find that element in storytelling about people who live in the Federation and work in Starfleet, that kind of that that mor- that moral debate would I would find really interesting. Mm. Yeah, and it, I think it just helps sell the reality of of characters in that situation as well. Because if you're thinking, well, why is no one? Why has no one got a problem with this? Mm. Um, then it makes it harder to connect with those characters. But if you have a scene where quite a few people do have a problem with it, mm. but they they make a decision that okay, we're still going to do it. Yeah, um, mm. it just just feels yeah feels more relatable and realistic. Um, yeah, and, you know, you, you're dealing with a hierarchical system, so you could have people who have a problem with it, but have no real power in that hierarchy to mm. to do anything about it, and they just have to follow the line of command. It is, but it is, but it is interesting how the the Federation and Starfleet do seem to be an organization that is, you know, benevolent and progressive. But it also does have all the attributes of something that just feels like a civilizing mission. And mm. I, I have problems with that because it's easy, unless you keep checks and balances on that, that just you couldn't, you could eradicate other civilizations if you're not <laughs> yeah. careful. Yeah, if you don't keep, if you don't keep it in check, yeah. that's, that would be my critique of the Federation if I could have one. I suppose you could say that their um, drive to not accept anyone below a certain technological point is is their check and balance, but it's a bit it's a bit one note and it's a bit mm. flimsy. And it also um, what 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 do you describe as technology? Like if you're like a you could have a civilization that has no no telescopes no no means of like deeply analyzing space, but they could know the position of every star in the night sky. They could know, and from that, they could have an advanced system of farming. Everything they they could they could mm. run their civilization by their by their intelligence and by their ability to understand the night sky, when to mm-hmm. plant, when to when to when to plant, when to harvest, when to do things. That is advanced, but it doesn't have but it doesn't have machines. It doesn't have spaceships. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so this if they they base it purely on the the ability to travel in space, and they have no other. Yeah, means and it, well, of, it's it's like warp capability. Yeah, isn't particularly it? warp capability. Yeah. So they could be the this civilization could be able to observe space um, thoroughly. Um, as you say, they they could be highly advanced on their own planet, use systems. But yeah, but they just yeah. they said their 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 species does not have any intention to travel in space but they would be very happy to trade mm. but of course uh, you know it's yeah the federation have set that standard it's their own standard yes. of what it's their own definition of what uh, advanced technology is mm-hmm. isn't it i yeah. suppose 
Um, in the in the interest of time, yes. On to the oh wait wait hang on a second I've got two more quick fire <laughs> things. That episode of Enterprise where Hoshi uh, leaves a slug, the slug on the planet, the banana slug, <laughs> which could have wrecked their sort of ecosystem. Yeah. And I suppose then I was also thinking, well, do you know what? Any freaking time <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> Ikri being down to a planet in their pajamas. <laughs> are they? Are they risking bringing down all sorts of infections and like? Yeah, I mean, actually, the theory is that the 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 buffers will clean all of that out. But how we are we are a, a system of. Uh, uh, As buffers always fail. <laughs> Most unreliable do they, buffers. Do they do they destroy your gut biota every time you go through yeah. the how do, you know, or down? how do you know what a, what a, another species is gonna mm. be vulnerable to? Yeah. Mm. Um the transporter doesn't know that, no. does it? So yeah, but yeah, I feel like oh, you could do you could do a whole episode on that. <laughs> well, when the um, well, your mention of that episode where Hoshi leaves a slug on that planet, it makes me think of the episode of The Simpsons where um, Bart Simpson phones Australia about whether their toilet whether their toilet water goes the other way around yeah. and, and ends up causing a diplomatic incident, and he leaves a, he leaves like a toad or a frog. In Australia, mm. that like starts yeah. decimating their crops. Mm. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a great yeah. episode of The Simpsons. That is in my mind. Yeah, that is exactly what happens when Hoshi leaves that bloody slug. I bet that, I bet that slug was pregnant. Well, I bet it was. Slug babies everywhere. Speaking of babies, um, the time um, Chakotay decided <laughs> oh, to leave yeah, yeah. Um, Janeway and Paris's children on this <laughs> on this planet and never speak to them. Again, yeah, yeah, there's no mention of what else was on that planet. System. I mean, I don't know what the Federation rules are around that situation because I don't think anyone had ever imagined that situation. <laughs> so maybe Shikoto didn't break any rules. But... No, but he's definitely contaminated a complex ecosystem. Yeah, and abandoned children and abandoned of senior children. officers. <laughs> one senior. Yeah, one. Jeez, <laughs> um, well, you've got it in for the crew of Voyager tonight. Sorry, sorry. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm being horrible. Um, oh, and that time that Archer took his dog down to a planet and it did a wee on a sacred plant, and then he was he really angry uh, with with like that civilization, not seeing perhaps the error in his judgment of just bringing. Bringing a dog down to a planet and letting it do a wee on something. The Cretacians consider the Alvira trace cultural treasures. Apparently, Porthos urinated on one of them. And that's what they're insulted about? It is understandable. Well, maybe if they'd have bothered to read the genetic profile we sent, they'd have told us to leave the dog on the ship, and then he wouldn't have had an opportunity to pee on one of their precious trees. I conveyed your sincerest apologies to the Chancellor that discussing possible acts of contrition. Where the hell do you get off conveying my sincerest apologies? They're the ones who should be sorry. <laughs> also, that time that Archer pirated from that ship. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's actually, that is a big one, isn't it? But I... Oh, no. Arguably bigger than letting your dog wee on someone's tree. <laughs> but, I do, but I think in that episode they sell... 
the serious as seriousness oh, of yeah. yeah it was it was yeah. uh, it's a difficult one i think and you know you can justify it but I'll, also i think that you know ultimately he committed an act of piracy and you know there wasn't really any sort of you know is that the only thing you could have done mm. uh, was there any was there any um I mean, I think that is referenced again that he did that, but I don't remember that he receives any sort of punishment or no. When um, in series four, when they um, when they have when he's getting grilled about stuff, the Vulcans are more bothered about their ship with the, the with the zombies on. Right? Ah, right. Yeah. So they don't care that he's he's yeah done a terrible act of piracy on a <laughs> or defenseless vessel. Yeah, I mean, in that episode, he's he, he, you can tell he is conflicted because oh, yeah. yeah, we'll give you supplies, you'll be fine. We just, I can't, I can't negotiate with you on this. I need, I need mm. your what you have. Like, yeah, it, but it's a great episode. Yeah, like, I think that's yeah. what makes it great. If anything, is yeah. that you don't expect him to do that. It's yeah, it's it's necessary. It's what will you do that goes against everything you believe in. To you could get the mission done. You yeah. could also argue he doesn't get away with it, at least not from himself. He probably right. punishes himself more on that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So I, I think that's a good example of of, a, of an episode that that understands that that character is making, you know, a, a, a morally troublesome decision, mm-hmm. whereas. The episode where Bashir uh, is happy to <laughs> transition Quark into a woman for a business deal. It, it doesn't feel like Bashir has weighed up that decision in any way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, yeah, about five minutes ago, I think I said, in the interest of time, yeah. let's move on. And then I tripped myself up by firing off some of the really interesting examples that we've had to talk about. Um, mm. Yeah, um, so the one I was thinking about talking about was uh, Voyager's Flesh and Blood from the seventh season. Two-parter with the Herosian and uh, their holograms that turn against them. Uh, it's, it's really good. Fantastic stuff. The holograms basically begin a movement to get their own civilization. The Doctor is obviously sympathetic to their cause, but then to the point that he decides to help them um, escape from Voyager and the Herosian potentially causing damage to Voyager. He helps them to sort of feed that pulse through the deflector. Um, and yeah, his, his help sort of then spirals into a thing where the holograms can kidnap Balana and yeah. Oh, it gets chaotic. The hologram's leader turns out to be a bit of a well. He, t- he basically completely loses sight and becomes obsessed with his end goal, and doesn't matter who he kills to get in the way. Um, and so the, the the body counts racking up before finally he's he's overcome and the doctor takes him down. And the bit that always rankled me is, yes, the doctor turned against them at, at the end, but he had aided them, betrayed Voyager's. For betrayed Voyager to them, potentially causing damage to Voyager that could have led to a destruction. They specifically say at one point it could have destroyed Voyager. Uh, and the Doctor himself realises that, and he says, All right, I'm ready for whatever punishment. Confine me to sick bay, take take away my mobile emitter, take away my holodeck privileges, delete all my additional subroutines, you know, essentially resetting him back. And I don't agree that, that they should have done that. 
But Jane was just like, nah, nah, you're fine. You've given me extraordinary freedom over the years. I've obviously abused it. Maybe. Or maybe you've simply become as fallible as those of us who are made of flesh and blood. I'm just as responsible for allowing you to expand your programming as I am for giving technology to the Herodron. How can I punish you for being who you are? In fact, I want a report. Write me an essay on what happened. I'm just like, really? I mean, he's a flipping computer program. He can auto-generate that essay in about three seconds. So it's hardly that big. Um, and I, I, one of the what really gets me is she's kind of like saying, "Oh, that the doctor's progressed so much; he's become so much more." Well, yeah, in that case, grant him the the the, the rights of, or you know, grant him all the things afforded to a, to any other crew member and punish him mm-hmm. because what he did was bang out of order. You know, it endangered the ship, and he should be. And I, I appreciate he is the only medical officer, so it's kind of difficult to stick him in the brig. But absolutely take away his holodeck privileges, confine him to sick bay outside of medical emergencies and stuff like that. And I just find it a little bit I don't know if I'm if if I'm annoyed that Janeway just seems to wave it all off, or that she's still not really mm. treating the doctor like a real person. Mm. And I I'm I'm not sure which which way that lack of following up on that is coming from but either way i just think no 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 january no i di- i disagree with you with this i'm fully in support of your two vox murdering uh activities but this you've cr- you've crossed a line with me there is another episode where he loses his hollow emitter privileges isn't there i'm sure there is one where he he is confined for a, sh- a period um, and maybe i'm imagining that but yeah well, if, if, if there is i don't recall it but was was what he did as bad as what he did in Flesh and Blood? And I, yeah, I'm fairly sure if he did something worse, I'd literally remember quite easily. One one thing he does in Flesh and Blood, which sticks out beyond anything else, as a, as a fairly unforgivable crime, is that he gives the hologram ship Voyager's shield frequency. Yeah, it says, please don't please don't does, use them to destroy them, please. <laughs> That sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm transmitting our shield frequencies. You'll need them to beam me off this ship, but you have to promise me you won't use them to attack Voyager. You have my word. It's like, do you promise? I'll give you these, but you promise you're not going to blow them up. It's like, no, no, no. Of course we wouldn't do that. It's like, come on. That, yeah. that is a bit of a risk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. What, what else would you do with shield frequencies if you weren't planning to penetrate the shields in some way? Mm. Well, he gives them to them um, so that they can beam him off, mm. uh, don't they? That's, that's the reason. But but in the, in the Star Trek universe, shield frequencies are it. We know from Star Trek 2, if you've got the right shield frequencies, that's it. You can take down a ship mm. like it's made out of paper. <laughs> I, 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 I think... I, I mean, I guess in this episode they had to distill like a a storyline that could have like, a storyline that could be an entire series into an episode. Mm. Like the like the, the 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 Doctor, he's not he's not like the artificial characters we meet in Battlestar or 
or alien or aliens. Mm. Like he's not like he's not really oppressed. Like he's there's no there's no mm. sign of him sort of being a psychopath or 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 sort of harboring malevolence or 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 a disdain for humanity. So in this episode it's kind of like you have to get that all in in, in a in like an hour and a half. Um mm. whereas perhaps what would have been better is if it, if that had been like a long running thing. A thing which had just boiled mm. slow boiled mm. and 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 led to something. Like like the Voyager crew had encountered like photonics throughout this season and it the Zenumon was this episode where where the doctor had to decide who is who is who whose side he was on. Mm. Um, yeah, so, but I, I, mean, I agree. I agree that- with you, Rick. I, I think I think he should have had he should have faced he should have had more severe consequences of his actions. But I, I but I think it's yeah. because they, for whatever reason, they they didn't decide to sort of have thread that story throughout a season, perhaps. It's interesting oh, that you I mean, made they didn't... About the doctor not not being oppressed because the the holograms in that episode argue because he makes that point that he he isn't oppressed mm. he has freedom they say well did the but can the crew turn you off if they want to mm. he's like yeah and, and it's do, like and do they yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then I like, well, then you are oppressed <laughs> mate you serve them don't you in a medical capacity yes. Do you have your own quarters? No. The ability to come and go as you please. For the most part. Do they deactivate you when they don't need you? I have the respect and admiration of my colleagues. Which is true. <laughs> and he, I mean, he has the mobile emitter by that point, does he? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so he does have freedom of movement. But, but they can turn they him can off. they can turn him off. So, he, yeah. And, yeah. And they do. So, Yeah. I don't, I don't, and I, and I, by that point, I don't think they do. I think he has. They used to. Okay. They can do. Mm. Like they can. Okay. <laughs> they, well, they actually I have see. a point in that episode where they do turn him off. Um, mm-hmm. And but it's a little bit jarring. Yeah, and I, th- yeah. I think it just happens to dem. To, they do that so that they demonstrate that they can turn him off. Whereas I don't remember that happening very often. You know, like in the last few seasons, I'd right. say that they just turn him off. But, mm. but yeah, they have a little moment in the episode where they deactivate him, um, mm. just just so the audience are like, "Oh yeah, they can deactivate yeah. him." Mm. But there is also an aspect of his character that, although he's a fully functioning adult in many respects and is highly intelligent, because he's been programmed to emotionally, he's probably more akin to a child in that he's yeah. only yeah. yeah. What season of Voyager is this? Seven. Yeah, so he's, seven. Like, so he's seven years old, basically. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. really. Like he's... And he's, he's found the people who say they're his family and, you know, that's... Who wouldn't do what he did to to join this family? That, you know, mm. these people who say yeah. they love him, basically. I'm going um, I'm, I'm to be... Yeah, Brutally honest, he mm-hmm. is his emotional makeup is obviously based off his creator, Doctor Zimmerman, who we've only seen two or three times, but is not the most emotionally mature character mm-hmm. we've ever met. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. 
So, yeah, yeah, couple, couple. But then the I think he's only had like so many years of real world experience. He is developing, and I think all those things sort of feed into Janeway's attitude at the end. And I, I think the expectation from the audience is that the that the Doctor is going to get um, he's going to get chewed out. Uh, whereas, uh, whereas what actually happens is um, Janeway says, "You know what? Maybe." Um, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe actually we haven't been treating you as well as we, we could, and maybe I'm, I actually understand where you but came from. In this, was there in this any dialogue episode. to that? Can't, kind of, yeah, she just kind of explained explain it. But like Rig says, but like, it feels like that's almost like you have to read between the lines to see mm. that. Because what she basically says is, yeah, you have to do a report, and but she, mm. she'll let them off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think they can revise their attitude and their uh, and the treatment of him, and treat, mm. but still acknowledge as a member of the crew, he broke protocols, he broke regulations. You know, he yeah. made, he he did some fairly severe stuff, um, and you know that needs to be brought up. You know, Paris was thrown in the brig for thirty days. That's that a good, that's time. a really good point. I, I was just about to mention that episode. Like that, that can be a thing that happens to a main character. So yeah, now I appreciate it's easier to find another helmsman on board than it is another doctor. So you do have to keep him on active duty to an extent. But the, you know, he suggested a couple of ways. He acknowledges he's done wrong, and that you do need to drive that point home because I, I, yeah, I just feel there was a, you know, they need to go. So maybe make Neelix his boss for two weeks or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, force him to appear on like every program on Neelix's TV show that he has on Voyager. He loves that. He was yeah, he was desperate to get on there. Right, damn it, that's a reward, isn't it? <laughs> Who who's but, in who who appears on season one of Treachery with Neelix? <laughs> <laughs> This is the Doctor for seven episodes. Yeah, <laughs> the Doctor's like, now, viewers, I'm going to recount you with the time that I shared um, Voyager's shield frequencies with our enemies. Don't <laughs> note this down. Up. I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't note it down. <laughs> uh, but I, I think, I think I agree that. Yeah, um, there, there's a bit of um, hypocrisy in, in that episode in that if if they are going to treat the Doctor like a real person, then he has to face mm. consequences like a real person would. And they can't just say, ah, you, you silly Billy. <laughs> <laughs> if it had been any other crew member, if, 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 if they'd encountered like a ship of eternal ensigns who wanted to set up their own planet and Harry had done that, or... You know, a, 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 a ship of, I don't know, bad chefs. I was going to say clarinet players, but they said that's Harry Kim again, isn't it? <laughs> First officers with questionable engine stories. And, and, and a civilization that was really enthusiastic about 20th century. Earth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do we think? If we if we were deciding the the... Doctor's fate. Do you think we would let him off like Janeway would, or do you think? Wow, <laughs> just control <laughs> delete. Yeah. Yeah. I would wow. say, I would say, I would say, remove his hollow emitter right yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah, fine. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah, I think I think a period of confinement would be suitable. That, you know, maybe it's maybe lashing with a hollow whip. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, joking aside, I think I agree. I think he should have uh, he should have had some kind of punishment for that, and I think he actually would have valued that as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would have uh, fought against it. Um, and I think he, he, you almost would have welcomed it mm. because he, he needed Sorry. to, yeah, atonement, exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I think ultimately Janeway is doing him a disservice by letting him off with an essay. So Yeah. Mm. All right, I think we're all in agreement I on think so. that. Purged the Dunks' programme. I've whipped Within an inch of his protons, <laughs> photons. Yikes. <laughs> who, who should we move on to next? Um, I don't know. Who wants to go next? Well, I tell you what, can I do my Can I do my one next? Because then I think that leads nicely into your one, Gemma. Yeah, yeah um, okay. Because it involves a memory wipe. Yeah. So, yeah, I really wanted to do one on Bashir because that, that was... It was Bashir that sort of sparked this idea that we should do this episode. <laughs> and Bashir is like, as I think you said uh, before, well, I can't remember what phrase you used before, uh, something like uh, Bashir's uh, like, like work, workshop of horrors. That he runs on this, i.e. the sick bay. He just does anything he likes. Um, and the episode that I wanted to pick on was uh, uh, Sons of Moog, where Kern comes back to DS9. Um, and I, I actually, I think, it's a, I think it's a good episode, actually. I do really like it. Uh, and Tony Todd is great as Kern uh, whenever he shows up. But Kern is really depressed, basically. He following the events of, uh, uh, you know, all the, the uh, disgraced uh, family stuff that's happened in TNG. Like, Kern is just finding that he can't function anymore in Klingon society. And he, he arrives on the, the station wanting Worf to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a really... Drunk. Uh, drunk. drunk. Wanted, yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, drunk on blood wine, wanting to be murdered by Worf. Mm. And why? One thing I really like about this episode is that Wolf does it. Mm. Like within the first sort of ten minutes, see, Wolf is like, "Yeah, okay." Um, and there's a bit of a convoluted bit where Judzia manages to work out what he's going to do, and for, for somehow and rushes because of in the incense he bought from Quark or something. Yeah, she's like, "Oh, he's doing a murder." Okay, uh oh, it must be his brother. Oh, wow. Okay. But she's right. Um, yeah. Well, you know, seven lifetimes of experience. She knows some stuff. Yeah. What What I really like about this uh, this scene is that it's really unexpected that Worf is actually going to do it. And then um, there's a brilliant scene where Cisco is rightfully furious um, mm. with Worf. And this, this is like an example of the kind of thing that we that, that actually we'd like to see more of as we discuss because because. Um, Cisco says, "Look, you know, I'm I'm all uh, on board with um, appreciating cultural differences um, in in species, but 
but there is a line, mm. and that line is it's before murders. You've done a murder, um, and he's like, he's he has a great line where he's like, "This isn't like it's some sort of obscure Federation law mm. that you bring. You killed, you tried to kill your brother. It's like you can't do that." I realize my actions were in violation of Starfleet regulations, but regulations? We're not talking about some obscure technicality, Mister Worf. You tried to commit premeditated murder, Benjamin. It wasn't murder. Worf and Kern were performing a mock tavor ritual. It's part of Klingon belief that when- at the moment I don't give a damn about Klingon beliefs, rituals, or custom. Now I have given you both a lot of leeway when it comes to following Klingon traditions. But in case you haven't noticed, this is not a Klingon station, and those are not Klingon uniforms you're wearing. There is a limit to how far I'll go to accommodate cultural diversity among my officers, and you've just reached it. And it's a great set, and, and and he's so annoyed that they can't explain to him that actually it was like an assisted suicide they were doing. Cisco just doesn't want to hear it; mm. he's furious. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, he makes a really good point that um, yeah, there is a line uh, that you can't cross with with appreciating cultural differences, and and doing a murder on the station is something you can't just even like, if the person wants to be murdered. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's still a murder. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, because so really there's, there's, an, there's an interesting line there when you when you said about this essentially an assisted suicide, but by Federation values, an assisted suicide would be around sort of a, a debilitating illness and a quality of life mm-hmm. situation yeah. uh, and not wanting to get into the ins and outs of that particular debate. Uh, but Kern is actually... Of sound body, if not mind, so it's kind of it would be a very difficult one to sell, even if they did go into that particular thing. Clearly suicidal. Yeah, that that's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. Uh, but I think that then it's... touches on the problems of this episode that they don't address Kurt Kern's mental health properly. No, no, the way that they deal with it is like well. Oh, he'd probably feel a bit happier if he felt useful. Let's make him a security officer. Um, and he actually does pretty well as a security officer, which is a nice little surprise. Mm. But then he tries to get himself killed right. by by not um, by just standing in front of a um, like a guy who's going to shoot him, mm. which happens off screen, which is slightly annoying, but classic Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> um, because that, that could have been expensive. <laughs> so it's um, um, it's again that, that I mean that's your key point there. They they've tried to throw him into a, a solution, but they've not addressed the actual problem. Yeah, yeah, that's they, yeah. That's it. They haven't. They haven't hit on the root cause of his depression. They said, "Oh, what if he was? What if he was busy? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he'd feel okay if he was busy. Give him something to do. Yeah, and then yeah. like take your mind off it. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Go for a walk. Go for a mental health walk. <laughs> yeah, um, from a curtain, and then you'll be all right. Yeah, um, I mean that's uh, yeah, that's <laughs> a problematic thing, really. When you when you look deep more deeply at this episode and that approach, you'd be like, oh god. Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, no one similar, expects more to be similar I guess it is similar. <laughs> it is a bit similar to the to what we were talking about with the doctor. In that, there's a sort of a conflict with who, what he's ex- what Curtin is expected to be and 
what he wants for himself, what other people expect mm-hmm. from him and what he wants. Like there's this there's, there's this conflict in within the character, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um and then the like the other thing they, they get him to do is like a sort of an undercover mission where they sneak on board a Klingon ship to get some codes for like a, a, a cloaked minefield that the Klingons are laying. So they try another, yeah, they give him another job, basically. Really, really important, dangerous job. Yeah. And what, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is, yeah, it's a great idea for someone who's, um, who's so it's so clearly fine. not in a great place mental health wise. Um, and also, well, also, a lot of that stems from feeling outcast of his own society. So here, take mm. this mission against your society. Yeah, yeah, that's let, what yeah. That cause problem. <laughs> let's put you in a situation that is the most the thing that's most likely to trigger you, <laughs> and like maybe the least helpful thing that they yeah. could have done. Well, I really and and one of the thing because of the the thing that I'm eventually going to get to is what Bashir does in the mm-hmm. end. But another little thing that he does is that they've. So they've they've got some um, Klingon prisoners that they've taken on board the station um, because there was a ship that was that was damaged uh, mm. and they, they bring them in. And so as part of this undercover mission, um, Bashir's like, "What I'm going to do is I'll take some of their DNA, some of the some of the, some Klingon DNA, and we'll inject it into you, and it'll fool the sensors. They'll think you're like crewmen on the ship. So you're like, oh, so did those." Did those Klingons Ooh. give consent for you to harvest their DNA this year? Or, I mean, like, is that okay? Uh, is the Federation okay with you just harvesting the DNA of prisoners, of prisoners and using it for whatever means you... In fairness, though... And when I say in fairness, this is this is established because in the first episode of Strange New Worlds, that is exactly what Nurse Chapel does to give oh. Pike, Kirk, um, Pike, Spock, and Lan a disguise. That's right. Yeah. 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 So it's already long been an absolutely okay thing to do under Federation law. <laughs> Uh, who gets who gets hurt, right? Like, <laughs> hey, we're all friends here. DNA. Sharing DNA. <laughs> These prisoners were unconscious. They'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, oh man, that's that's yeah. That's a little underhanded thing that's dealt within like two lines of dialogue. That really, mm. it was only after the episode finished where I was thinking about. It, I was like, wait a minute, hang on. Another thing that's bad is that bloody thing that the shit things. I think because that, that's one of those points where you, you you you're skirting that line where you you have to acknowledge that Starfleet has a military aspect and that they mm. have missions that are important to accomplish, and you have to almost turn a blind eye to that in a military fashion to accomplish that. I'm not justifying it necessarily. I'm just sort of saying where I think they're, where, where their view on that is coming from and why certain things are deemed yeah. acceptable in certain circumstances. Um, like the Strange New Worlds example, that mission was essential to save the lives of Una and the other two crew of her ship. Mm. Um, yeah. The and likewise on Deep Space Nine, that mission is is considered essential because if the Klingons have got a minefield they can activate any point across Bajoran space, that's yeah. potentially lethal, dangerous, awkward, whole other bunch of words. 
Something DS9 does really well is uh, exploring the idea that uh, in times of war, your your sort of morality centre has to be a bit mm. adjusted yeah. because you have to get things done. And I think that's a fair point. But this episode doesn't ever make that point. Yeah, and I think they, they totally could have... Um, justified it with all the things that we've, we've talked about there if the doctor had maybe struggled a little bit with what he was doing um, or someone else had questioned it so yeah and he could have said well look we're we're, we're technically at war mm. and this this is i mean these are the reasons why we're going to do this mm-hmm. mm. yes i know it's not ethically on the line but this is why i'm going to do it but no, it, it's like it, it's two lines of dialogue. <laughs> well, Kern, oh, Kern, Kern didn't decide his own fate, you know. Like Kern, Kern is the one who decides what happens to himself. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, and that's the that leads us nicely, nicely to the quite problematic ending, where basically Kern is. Get towards the end of the episode. Like, Worf checks his watch and he realises it's like 40 minutes and they've only got minutes left. <laughs> and and wrap this up. The Kern is still depressed and he's like, oh, what are we going to do? So, like, Worf waits till Kern drinks himself unconscious, dra- drags his body into sick bay, <clears throat> and Bashir. Uh, seemingly, I don't even know if Bashir was asked to do this or if this was Bashir's <laughs> idea. But Bashir is like, yeah, what we'll do is we'll erase Kern's memory, change some of his like physical features as well. We'll just give him a new identity. And yeah. it's like, wait a minute, Kern, did Kern consent to this? I mean, no, Kern had no idea. No. So Kern didn't say, hang on, I'll drink myself into a blizzard. No. No, Kurt, then you can do. No, I mean, it, it, maybe it would have been slightly more okay if Kern had agreed to it and they put him under an anaesthetic, but they literally wait until he's so drunk mm. that he falls Jesus. asleep. They allowed and, him to roofie himself. Yeah, he roofies himself, <laughs> and then Bashir erases his memory, gives him a new identity, because in 24 hours they haven't been able to cure his yeah. depression <laughs> with. Too- by exposing him to difficult <laughs> situations instead of just. In fairness to know. Bashir, and I'd, I'd, you know, the minimal amount of fairness to Bashir here, really, it is Worf's idea, and Bashir says, when he wakes up, he'll he'll know what it, he'll know what a Klingon is. He know what he'll know what it's like to be a Klingon. He won't know who he is, and then he looks at Worf. Have you got an answer? So clearly Worf has like set things in motion. He's set the identity up. He's called in an old friend and yeah. stuff. So this is Worf's. Plan, I yeah. yeah, absolutely. Bashir should be saying this plan is fucking ridiculous. Can we please, <laughs> can we please engage the station's counselling staff because we know they have them. This is season yeah. four, same season as Hard Time, where Bash- where O'Brien has the prison memories implanted and has regular appointments with a counsellor. Which you know, William, he would have been a good start for Kern. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. They didn't even cling on <laughs> do counselling though. Would he have attended? We, yeah, I mean, well, maybe maybe Klingon counselling would be like a, <laughs> like a, a fighting session. Like you have to but earn a respect. You have to earn, you have to 
you have to earn the respect of your client, your patient, and then yeah, they will listen maybe. to you. Yeah. And also, at no, Wolf's behest, work for me. <laughs> as, as, at Wolf's behest, Kern joined Odo Security Force. Kern took mm. the undercover mission. If Worf asked him to, Kern would have done it because he's mm. the younger brother and he's devoted to the idea that Worf is the head of his house and he will follow Worf's instructions. He might disagree. He might call Worf names or whatever, but he would do it because he has that loyalty to him. Um, and you just think there's more options they could have explored. Um, interestingly, mm. yeah, you, yeah, in, I agree. In the Deep Space Nine Companion, for, when look at this episode, the, the behind the scenes bits, uh, Ron Moore, who wrote it, they sort of say to him, well, what about Bashir's okay with this? Bashir just goes along with this and wipes his memory. And he says, yeah, well, I mean, they probably could have had a scene where Bashir was like saying, you sure you want to do this? And the wolf says it and Bashir's like, well, it's your belief system. I, uh, I've just got to ask, but I just didn't want to write it. Um you know, the term mm-hmm. lazy writing gets thrown around a lot, and I would <laughs> normally I'd never have anything to criticize Ron Moore about. Yeah. But I don't that, I don't remember. Literally, this episode, you see what you said. Sorry, sorry yeah. Um I don't remember this this episode like in detail, but is it I mean in this episode or in any other episode, is there any indication of of the Klingon attitude to mental health? Like, is it is it a weakness for Kern to be in the situation that he's in? I think, well, in, in this episode, I suppose they they have a Klingon ritual for um, mm. for suicide, suicide. But, the, well, they do have a thing where a Klingon, a Klingon can't kill themselves yeah. because that's right. considered dishonour. But it right. is okay to ask a family member to to kill them. And that, that seems to be the way that Klingons deal with mental health mm. uh, by, by just doing a murder. You can imagine that um, they aren't big on the, on, on therapy, on the yeah. emotional mental health. It, but it, it's interesting because there's that episode um, where the where Worf and um, uh, Garak uh, are, are captured by the Dominion and... Um, Oh, the other great Klingon, whose name I can't remember, escaped me, Martok. And and Garak has to go into, like, he has to confront his... Um, oh, his old... His mm. phobia, like yeah, his... Yeah. His claustrophobia. Yeah. And in that, where Martok and Wolf are saying, it, uh, they, they, they're, they're commenting on his bravery for dealing with his fears. Mm. It's just... They do. Like, mm. That concept, their concept seems so close to... Like, yeah. Isn't it brave to deal with if your fear is yourself, if your conflict is with yourself? Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm I just speaking now, but like, isn't it brave? Isn't it the ultimate bravery to deal with, to to try and deal with that mm. that conflict? Um, it's it's yeah, funny how those things work out. No, you're absolutely right, Rick. I think they could definitely have taken it in a view that that if Kern had sought or they helped Kern overcome his depression around things and he reached a point where he could sort of move beyond the fact that he he was outcast and cling on society but find a role for himself somewhere you know that could have been but the, i mean they did it the wrong way they tried to find a role for him without addressing the mental health and yeah i mean and also you know from a certain point of view well you know you can get in a bit philosophical but are we not 
the sum of our memories and experiences. Absolutely. You, mm-hmm. So by taking those away from Kern, aren't you murdering him as effectively yeah. as if, as at the beginning of the episode when you put a knife in his chest? Absolutely. He knows that he is a Klingon. And if that's all you're leaving him with, he's, he's an empty Well, Judzia has a line where she says to because actually I think it ends up being Judzia's idea because Judzia says to Worf, What if there was a way for you to kill your brother? without killing him. Well, that's an interesting, that's that's an interesting idea because it's what Kern, but then, so then you turn it around hmm. into Kern actually getting what he wanted. But, yeah, but, but is it really a way of killing him without killing him? Because, yeah, if you're, hmm. if what you are is some of your, Memories and and your mm. your life, then actually, kind of have killed yeah. him. Really, I yeah. don't mind. I don't. I don't think you are. I don't think you are the sum of it. I think those are. That's a per, that's a part of you that that informs <laughs> that informs who you are. I don't think you are. Like your your memories don't make up who you are. They're they're part of. They're a component of you. I think I but we, yeah, this, this is some deep philosophical territory. <laughs> what, yeah. what makes a what makes a person a person, isn't it? Well, I think I would be. See, if you stripped away my memories, I would still have certain aspects of my of my response to to stimuli, but mm. I would not be the person who did so and so. So. Yeah, and you have to do you have to do things that aren't based on your memory to forge. Yeah. New memories. Yeah. Although your memories do inform you. I don't know. It's like, yeah, you're right, Will. It, yeah, you guys are right. Like, it's a really yeah, complex argument. But. There's an element of nature and nurture, but I, I would believe, I think the nurture builds the personality. <laughs> anyway. It's an interesting one. It's anyway. one uh, I don't know that we have the philosophical capability. <laughs> To reach an answer. It's because you haven't had enough whiskey. Yeah, another old-fashioned anomaly there. <laughs> I, I, your, your point that Jadzia essentially suggests this solution mm. is kind of mm. good because her next host, Esri, is a counsellor who would have found this abhorrent, yeah. <laughs> I would hope, because, you know, she was like, I could have helped that guy with yeah. my counselling powers. Um yeah, and it's a bit like, oh god. I, th- I think I think what doesn't sit right with me about Bashir's actions in this episode <clears throat> is that it's an it's another situation where it's getting towards the end of the episode, and to make the plot mm. work, something has to happen so that we have a conclusion. And when you walk away after the episode, you, you just can't help thinking. The, the the thing that Bashir did was 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 like that was an massive thing, yeah. uh, and yeah. it wasn't really explored and addressed. It was actually, it was like a full stop to bring us to the conclusion of the episode, so that so that the story could finish, mm-hmm. um, and actually it, maybe it could have worked better if like like Rick said, if if Ron Moore had written some more scenes around 
you know the morality of what Bashir was doing. Mm-hmm. And also, Bashir, Bashir puts it on Worf and says, "Right, mm. he will be this, he will be that. The 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 choice is yours." No, no, yeah, you're the one yeah. doing it. <laughs> yeah, Bashir, can, Bashir takes yeah, no responsibility. No responsibility. Yeah. He he will do this horrendous, obscene act. Yeah, uh, absolutely because someone's asked him to. <laughs> yeah, and, and but he's, it's he's not basically his said, moral decision, "Let's be clear, my duty of care ends with the surgery." Okay, right. If 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 it's like Doctor Nick Riviera. <laughs> Hi everybody. Hi, Doctor Bashir. <laughs> if Kern had like had a terrible injury to his arm, and is like, okay, as, as as the physician on Deep Space Nine, my department is now responsible for either six months of arduous physical therapy to repair and relearn how to use this limb, or I could just amputate it now and save myself a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah. So instead of handling all the mental health, let's wipe his memory and make him someone else who's who's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I do feel Worf has culpability as well. A memory of them having two arms. (laughs) Right, right. So they always (laughs) they had. That's a good idea. Classic Bashir. No phantom limb syndrome there. I never (laughs) had two arms. But there's that there's that episode of TNG where um um like Swana Troy is uh, is with that guy like she's she's in a relationship with that guy whose whose culture has oh, like it, heartbreaking um, half alive his, his, yeah. his, his culture yeah. demands that he commits suicide and that's a really that's a really insightful sort of mm. um look at at that concept and mm-hmm. and the cultural pressure the cultural pressure about mm-hmm. uh, on on sort of that act and and i think that's where that's also at the root of this episode like i i remember watching this episode i have to admit i probably watched this episode and not really thought the things that we're thinking as we talk this talk through this mm-hmm. um but thinking about it is like it would have been more interesting to put Kern at the centre of this episode and 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 think about the pressure on a Klingon to feel failure and want to commit suicide and and find a way find a way to get around that find find a for, for if Star Trek is about finding genius solutions to problems like can't we find a solution to this problem that doesn't require killing someone or wiping their memory. Yeah, that's a good point. And actually, and one maybe one of the problems with this episode is it's it's really a wharf episode. Uh, so Kern isn't really at the centre of the episode. Mm. Kern is kind of a cipher for for wharf dealing with Kern, but it's actually not not really about Kern. Mm. And of course, Worf, you know, as the responsible father, who at every opportunity shipped his son <laughs> off to someone else, yeah. essentially. Had his brother's memory wiped and shipped him off to someone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a great line at the end where um, where Worf says to him because as he because he you know he's had his memory erased and he's he's going off with this uh, with this old Klingon guy that Worf's really conveniently found and put an enormous burden on him to sort of have this keep up this lie that Jeez. Kern is actually his son. Uh, we should like that. So to get explained about this son. Knew he had a fully adult son. 
Yeah, this is a whole new uh, area. Like, why has this guy agreed to this? But anyway, there's a great bit where we'll, uh, the guy says to him, oh, uh, Kern says to him, am I part of your family? And Worf says, I have no family. Like, wow. I am Worf. Are you part of my family? I have no family. Solid burn to Alexander there. Wolf's <laughs> taking great pains to make sure he's got no flipping family. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah, despite all the things that we that we said about this episode, I still actually like it because it's got it, it, there's some like some great Wolf and Kern scenes, and Kern's a good character, and it does raise some interesting. Uh, sort of thoughtful kind of debates. Um, I, I think it's actually pretty good. It's just the just the ending. Um, Bashir, because Bashir isn't really a big character in that, this episode. So he it's no. a little bit different to um, Flesh and Blood, where the where the Doctor really is the focus of that story. Bashir is just a, a bit of a cipher who's crowbarred in. To do a memory wipe, and then actually, what he's done is pretty horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the disservice is that the episode doesn't really doesn't really write uh, Bashir it, like his what he feels about what he's doing into mm-hmm. that episode. I think. I, I mean, I think I, th- I, th- I think your your criticism of Bashir is absolutely wonderful. But I think in terms of the topic as we discuss it, discuss it, maybe Bashir and Worf are jointly culpable here mm. for the wrong. Yeah, they don't get pulled up on the fact that you know. I think what they did was questionable and lazy ultimately because mm. it was it was easier than dealing with Kern's issues. Yeah, just yeah. to wipe his memory yeah, and send him off. So, and, and that's you know absolutely appalling. Cisco is really hard on Worf when he attempted to murder his brother. Uh, I presume he didn't have two words to say about the fact that he liked <laughs> his brother's memory and then shipped him off, shipped him off with some old Klingon dude that he knew. I probably made Worf probably made sure they did it deliberately when Cisco was on the holodeck playing baseball, so he didn't realise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like two days later, Cisco says, "Oh, Mister Worf, is your brother still on board?" And it's like. No, no, he left. What, what, I have no family. (laughs) (laughs) And Cisco's Um, going, hang on. I distinctly, and Bashir's creeping up behind him. (laughs) His memory. (laughs) (laughs) You won't remember the last 24 hours, Cisco. How many times have I done this? (laughs) (laughs) Um. But I, I feel like this this is probably a good point to move off that, move on to your mm. choice of, because um, there's a there's a direct link yeah, there between <laughs> this one and, and the thing that you want to talk about, isn't there, Gemma? Yes, there is. Well, thank you for the segue. You're welcome. Um, my subject is, I suppose it does. There is a particular episode, but it's more nebulous. It's uh, Doctor Pulaski who I am a great fan of, I, I do love Dr. Pulaski, but she does have a habit of uh, wiping memories herself. She did, in fact, um, 
develop the procedure to wipe memories. So she's 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 well up for it. So Bashir <laughs> maybe wouldn't have been able to do to Kern <laughs> what he did if it wasn't for Pulaski, <laughs> right? Okay. Was it what episode? Uh, you thinking pen pals? I am thinking pen pals. Yes, mm. yes. When she um, wiped a, a child's memory. A child's memory. Yes. <laughs> sorry. Was it the child who was who was talking to um, data? Yes. Yeah. 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 That's that's right. So there, mm-hmm. there's an alien child who becomes uh, friends with data. Yeah. Isn't there? They communicate, um, and then his data saves her, doesn't mm. he? And they bring on the ship, and so the the responsible thing to do is just to wipe her memory because that's, that's easier. That's right, because her planet is going to be mm. um, destroyed, mm. I think. and so yeah, <clears throat> data makes the decision to save her. Yeah, <clears throat> which supposedly goes which against the prime directive. Very yeah, everyone's very cross with him. That. Yes, yeah, and there's a great scene where they fiercely debate the the, yes. the prime directive, which apparently in this in this situation would sanction leaving a child to, to just to, die to, burn to death. Yeah, well, not uh, just the child, her whole her whole race, higher race, right? Yes. Yeah, but um, but but Pulaski's solution is <laughs> mind wipe, mind wipe. Hey, I know what we can do. But are we doing a good thing now, Doctor? It is to protect her as much as us. By robbing her of her memories. To remember you and this ship would complicate her future. She has to be the person she was born to be. I think that is, it's not the only time Pulaski mind wipes, is it? Mm. But um, yeah, so she basically invented the mind wipe, which she... Mm either does it again or wants to do it again, but they talk her down. I can't remember. <laughs> um, I suppose it's not really Pulaski. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the concept of mind wipe when used against um, people they've had to bring on the ship, even though those people were not ready to be brought mm. on the ship. And yeah, so they 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 themselves have made the decision to bring that person onto yeah. the ship in most of those mm-hmm. situations. Yes, they've made then... the decision to bring them on the ship. And then um, because they are deemed not ready, unworthy, possibly mm. too low a life form to, to um, understand being on a spaceship, they um, erase their memory, mm. Mm. Yeah. which is a highly paternalistic, some might say godlike attitude to beings that you consider um, lower than yourself. Hmm. Federation. I mean, in the like case... A, like a, like a, it's like a, like a colonial... Like it, mm. it has echoes of colonialism, I think. Yeah. Mm. I mean, in the case of Sarjenka, um, if a small child... Had, had run up to her parents the next day and said, oh, you'll not believe it, our planet was going to blow up. But then I, I used my radio and contacted a robot on a spaceship and he took me to the spaceship and they used their technology to cure the planet and everything's cool. And I said, 
That's nice, dear. Bitch! There's no need to wipe her memory because everyone has just no. thought she was being a delightful child with a big imagination. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> so so they, they do meddle in the affairs of this planet. Mm. So they're, they're mm. very sticky with how they address... Um, but they, they do have a whole massive debate over whether they, they should meddle with those. Okay. With the it's inconsistent. The attitude is inconsistent. Yeah. I think mm. in, in, in the second episode of Strange New Worlds with the comet... So capricious. Yeah. Pike mm. literally states... Oh yeah, yeah. We 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 like to save um, planets, that, you know, with primitive civilizations from random comets. That's cool. He literally doesn't. That's not word for word, but he says something along the lines of they would actively try to save them. No thought about it. In TOS, the there's an episode where there's a an asteroid heading for a planet, and the Enterprise tries to deflect it. I think Kirk ends up in a horrendously racist Indian. Thing. It's oh, this just awful. Anyway, but the point is, they were trying to deflect the asteroid because yeah, apparently yeah. they—that's what they do. Gets next gen, and they're a bit like, I don't know. Should we just let the planet blow up? You got yeah. you, you skip forward to series seven, where Worf's foster brother literally has to sneak a village full of people onto the holodeck, and they're all like, "Shit, no, no, what are you doing? We should let them guys die on the planet." I was like, seriously, that whole episode really made the the, the crew look like horrible jerks he would have left a civilization to die so it's kind of inconsistent up and down as to whether or not we save civilizations or not time-wise maybe it's um in their society reach a point where they've got you know uh, we've got there are quite a lot of planets have joined us maybe uh, if we let some die off I think That's it depends. So it depends whether Picard has a boner for any of the people in that civilization. Because yes. in Insurrection, he's got a total a boner for um, oh, what's the name? Um, oh, an age, an age. So they totally have to save that that civilization. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, but that's because Picard needs to needs to get his rocks off. <laughs> so it's okay. It's it, it's it's frustrating because I think the thing with next generation particularly is when they state this, they say, "Oh, we can't interfere with the natural course of this society." It's like, yeah, but if the natural course le- leads to their complete obliteration, mm. I, you know, I mean, you, that you're you're essentially then ascribing a plan to some higher being that's going to yeah. say this this species mm. gets wiped out here, this species gets to warp drive, these guys mm. get you know diet bronze age or whatever it's like no that's the universe doesn't have a plan like that and then star trek particularly is is humanist it does not ascribe to higher be higher plans so yeah i feel but, but if if you if they feel if they've got um if they feel they do then surely um an incident which brings um, a member of a different species onto your pl- onto your ship, and then that's part of that's part of the natural process because that has happened because mm. these things do happen. If if you believe that you're part of a universe, um, uh, yeah. that random things. I mean, even if you just believe that random things happen, 
uh, you know, that life is chaos, the universe is chaos, chaotic things happen all the time, then you've got to accept that a species might evolve because, in a certain way, because they have an encounter with an outside species. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. If your if your mission if your mission is an exploratory one, then you are part of the system. Like you're part yeah. of that. You're part of that system. You can't just decide not to act because you're by your definition you've decided to act right by yeah. being where you are. Yeah, yeah, and who's so you're not part of that natural order in a way. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, exactly. It's a natural mm-hmm. thing that's happened. Yeah. And if, if, if you're going to found your federation saying you have a set of values, I don't think those values prohibit, you know, going giving aid to people in need. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, and you, you, yes, it may be that they are at a level of society where they are not ready to deal with the fact of alien life, but that is still better than obliteration. Mm. You know, they can get yeah. over... The discovery that that there are other life forms in the thing, if they are still if they're still surviving, they can get over it and they can adapt. And what are um, they? What what are they basing whether or not this society can deal with the presence of alien life? They're just hmm. assuming from on high. Yeah, um, they're making judgments about everybody. From and a lot, I think, I think a lot of it is based on the fact that. As, Humanity would have freaked the flip out if, <laughs> yeah. if aliens landed, you know. And, and to be fair, we still would. I don't think we're in a position where we could cope with it. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't cultures. know, man. I think it depends how they how they did it. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There, I mean there. I think there are plenty. I think there are plenty of people who would be fine with it. I think, if anything, <laughs> sadly. It could happen and no one would care. <laughs> yeah. And it depends how they do it. It wouldn't even be the main headline on the news. <laughs> it depends what Boris is doing at the time, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like in um in in the film Arrival, they the ships don't appear above cities, they appear like in the middle of nowhere, I think. Mm. I think uh, okay. I mean I, I mean I love that film so much. It's so cool. Oh. Um um but yeah i think it would be how you how you announce your your arrival mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i think i think season 4 of tng when they do the episode first contact is a good example of a botched one that where the society cannot handle you know it's problematic mm-hmm. although in i mean in that case the society's own leaders decide that they are not ready but mm-hmm. at least then it's it's on them it's not the federation saying cool you're not ready Sorry, Rick. That would make a great episode of Star Trek. I think they've done that in I mean they've done that in Star Trek, I think, and they've done that in shows like The Orville as well, with the like uh, there's an episode of The Orville where they make first contact and the civilization is one which has it it's it, society is is well the society they meet is ruled by like astrology. Like astrology is their means of determining Social social class. Oh yeah, and and you know, and that's it. That's that that that's the kind of thing. That's it's that's a great way of of sort of of, of having of, of 
having these uh, these ideas, like like talking about these ideas about what would it be like if a civilization came down? And you're probably right, Rick. I think there would be people. I, I the the thing that worries me is that people here would try and manipulate it to to mm. to sort of power their own message rather than yeah. Oh, they would undoubtedly. Mm. Yeah, I think people would accept it. I think I think there are plenty of people who would accept it for what it is, but there'd be plenty of people who would use it to sort of to sort of um, you know encourage their own their own um, no, agenda. Agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a um, Ursula Le Guin book, "Left Hand of Darkness," which is very much um, based around those ideas, and they they. Um, the, the method of uh, first contact used in that is um, that, God, I can't remember what the organization's called now, um, their version of the, of the Federation, which is a completely different concept, but they send an individual down to go and talk to all of you know the peoples on the planet for year, like years, how long it takes before they consider themselves ready, and then they'll send a signal. So they send down one individual because it is not a threat and um, slowly, slowly, slowly get to know people. And if that individual um, is killed, they'll wait a while and then they'll send someone else down. Yeah. Yeah. David Bowie. David Bowie died. David Bowie died of... (laughs) That was him. I think that was... (laughs) But he didn't get killed, I guess. So he, like, disease killed him. Um, Day the Earth Stood Still, I think, is probably another great example. That's a classic one. Of yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously re- cited in the first episode, of Strange New Worlds, as well. That's an absolute classic. I love that film so much. Mm. The original. I haven't seen the Keanu Reeves remake. I haven't heard. No, of I haven't it's either. Not, it's not great. Like I did see it, but no, it's you know, it's nowhere near as good as the original. It's, 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 you know, it's, some stuff just doesn't need remaking. So yeah, absolutely, I think that one stands up perfectly. It does what it says. It, it does what it needs to. But yeah, um, but yeah, wine bringing bringing us back oh, yeah. to Pulaski's mind, mind wiping. Oh yeah, that was what we. we what do we think? Is that okay to do, or is that is that not okay? Because it, it seems like it is. Sort of sanctioned by the Federation, so no, it's it not seems like lawful Federation. Yeah, it doesn't feel like Pulaski's uh, crossed a line in that way. But she but... created technology that then, in the future, is used, mm. or in the near future, I guess, for for them, is used to um, deal with a, a man's depression <laughs> by just apparently erasing. Yeah. It. And I don't recall Pulaski having a great sort of moral issue with, with no, doing she it. Just, no, she just went ahead and she was quite happy to erase I, Yeah. I mean, I would maintain that um, the example in Pen Pals was unnecessary. Yeah. I don't think mm. anyone would have actually, it would not have up, been an upheaval to that society if a small girl had gone back with stories of a robot in a spaceship. It's, it's, it's an aspect of the prime directive, isn't it? Like the, the prime directive is there. It's not to mm. protect. It's not to protect other civilizations. It's to cover the federation's ass, yeah. basically. So that yeah, it was, they don't get into, 
it, it feels like the prime director was written by like the federation lawyers to say well, let's make sure that we're not like we can't be held liable for any of the things that, that happen here but you know yeah. that's interesting because obviously next generation is a child of the 1980s which were particular that was the rise of you know the, the litigious attitude where everything was up for a lawsuit yeah, yeah. So, you know, actually, that kind that that idea is not ridiculous. Well, it's mm. it's potentially considered. You know, maybe the writers looked at took it that because it was a case of everything had to be written down to cover your own ass, mm. and it's an attitude obviously to a large extent prevails today. But yeah, was was the next gen's attitude to the Prime Directive a result of the nineteen eighties lawsuit mania? Yeah, 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 all, yeah. Too many no win, no fee <laughs> adverts on cable. <laughs> I mean, the, the, whole, the whole thing that everyone's everyone always saw. There, I always feel that, particularly from the nineties onwards, there was a slightly sneery attitude towards Troy. That it was a fad of the nineteen eighties that everyone had to have a therapist so they could mm. run on the bridge of the Enterprise. But you know, I think actually. Particularly again in in Kern's case, maybe you know there's a big argument for having when you have yeah. these these large groups of people in space. Yeah, absolutely, mental health is important. Absolutely, confined yeah. space in a in a yeah. Mm. That, absolutely. I, I think it's actually an idea that's aged really well. Yeah, um, and it, it actually seems quite progressive when you look back to this sci-fi show that was made in the eighties. You have a like a counselor on the bridge, that that doesn't feel like a daft idea at all now. Actually, they they I mean obviously DS Nine embraced it in the last series by having Esri be the counselor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Discovery has embraced it by having Culber take that yeah. that role on. Um, there was kind of a, a couple of points in Voyager where they paid lip service to the fact that oh, if only we had a counselor, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of episodes where. This, is, it, is it night where there's a serious issue? Janeway particularly becomes very depressed and withdrawn. Mm. Um, so, but so yeah, it's 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 a thing that continues, and I think that's one of the great things that actually since, since the, the awareness of mental health and the, the the stigmas and everything are reducing. So it is good, but. Um, Sorry, I kind of feel like we've lost a train. We were talking about <laughs> memories, haven't we? We have, haven't we? Um, I think it seems to have been more of a, of a jumping-off point. It's yeah. I think probably erasing people's memories isn't really okay to No, do. it's not cool. I think there needs to be more okay in an extreme circumstance. Or, yeah, if you're in a wartime situation where it's like, well, you could erase yeah. part of their memory or you would have to murder them. And maybe if it's like the lesser of two evils. But I don't think the way that Pulaski uses it no, is, cool. I don't feel like it's necessary in those situations. I was going to say, Will, because your, your point about a war situation makes it say, well, I, I kind of made the point about the military arm and everything. And sometimes you have to put these things. But actually, that's a dangerous slope to go down yeah. where the Federation and war setting starts capturing people and wiping memories. Yeah, yeah that's true. It would be it's getting worse. 
actually yeah yeah you're a monster but it's um, it's treating it's treating living things as uh, just uh, as as objects yeah just cut, yeah. cut that bit out and it makes life easier for us yeah yeah and it's it's, it's like wiping a memory stick isn't it yeah yeah it's oh god so, my, my my phone oh god no my phone is full i have to I have to take out some of my photos and, my, <laughs> yeah. and things that i downloaded and stuff like that it's yeah. it's obscene it's like, oh kern's kern's mind is too full yeah. why don't let's just erase yeah. personality and memories <laughs> look he's <Yeah>. fine <laughs> he's happy look at his little face <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's it, it it's an easy solution to an inconvenience, and that's exactly how Wharf approached it. And it's yeah. always an easy solution for the people around the person who you're wiping mm. the memory of. Mm. It wasn't a solution for Kern. It wasn't a solution for the little girl. It was mm. a solution for other people who had to deal with them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, yeah. Reprehensible. Agreed. Get to the Bad brig. Stuff. Get to the brig, Pulaski. And Pulaski and Bashir. <laughs> and, and all actually, of and all of Starfleet. All of Starfleet. Actually, I'm starting to get worried that the, the Federation of the Baddies. <laughs> 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 if we can if we can make you worry about that, Rick, it's uh, <laughs> awesome. Um let's I tell you what, let's move on to the uh, let's talk about Rick's um, Rick's thing that he wants to bring up because um, we've been talking for flipping ages. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't expect this to be quite as long as it is, but it's we're getting a lot of material out of this one. I think no, no, fair enough. So the 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 episodes. I well, the first episode I want to discuss in in terms of actions by the Federation that I think are questionable is who watches the watchers where there's um, there's a culture called the Mentakans who are they're sort of like um, they're related to the Vulcans but they're, they're sort of determined to be at a, 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 like a sort of there's like a Bronze Age version of the Vulcans I guess on this planet and the, f- the first thing that I'm not cool with is that the Federation are sort of spying on them with a, like there's an anthropological survey team, I think, on the planet that are watching them behind a, behind a, like a, a shield, I guess, like a, a duck blind, they call a it. A duck blind, hmm. which is failing. And I think that's the, that's the, that's the reason that the enterprise is there to sort of fix this blind before it fails and they, the scientists are exposed. Baron Enterprise, our temporary repairs have failed. The reactor is now inoperative. Do you have battery backup? Three hours at best. Captain, if we increase to warp seven, we can be there in 23 minutes. Make it so. We're on our way. And, and it goes wrong. Like the, the duck blind fails and two Mintarkans that are nearby are involved in this and they, and they see the people and one of them is injured and gets taken on board the enterprise. Like Dr. Crusher does this. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and I just find this episode problematic in, in the sort of the, the reaction to what happens. Like Picard 
is is incensed with Crusher firstly for taking the Mentarkin on board and healing him. Mm-hmm. Um and and ultimately they and and what happens after that is that they again they might well, they wipe his memory they it'll be fine they send him back but he retains a memory of of yeah. Picard the Picard and so from that point onwards then they see they see Picard as some sort of god like a, a deity in their culture and mm-hmm. but and 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 it gets worse from there um, the uh, the problem I have is that. John Le Picard is a very cultured person. He's an archaeologist. I, I I sort of understand where they're going with the episode in terms of what they're trying to say, but I feel like there's a more benevolent way to get around the problem that they're faced with. There's a there's a quote from this episode which which I wanted to read um, where where one of the scientists is sort of suggesting that Picard sort of lean into this. And, and Picard says, Dr. Barron, your report describes how rational these people are. Millennia ago, they abandoned their belief in the supernatural. Now you are asking me to sabotage that achievement, to send them back into the dark ages of superstition and ignorance and fear? No! And okay, like I can see what he's saying there, but, but I do think that it's... There must be civilizations in the Federation that aren't, that have some sort of, that are still religious. They have religion. I, I know, Rick, you were saying earlier that, that the Federation, Starfleet, is a humanist construct and an organization. But they must have civilizations where they still have religion. I don't, and I, I just feel, I just feel, I, I just feel like, like what happens? Like Picard ultimately has to almost risk his life to to prove that he isn't a deity. I just, I just, I just feel like he could have, he could have just done something to sort of fit in with that. Like I, I don't think that I don't think that civilization is so. Fragile. I don't think that civilization is so fragile that it couldn't mm. withstand the interference that Picard is so desperate to avoid. That's the point I'm trying to get across. That's there's, the a bit of, there's a bit of hypocrisy there because Picard is very willing to, to uh, just erase that guy's mind yeah, and send him back. God. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah make the decision. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Act like a God, yes. erase him, send it. But then he's like, oh, well, I'm not going to. Oh, I'm not going to send them back into the into the dark age. Well, which is it, Picard? Well, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, yeah, there so, is about the Bajorans, highly religious society. Then, but you they're can, not part but of they're the not Federation, Federation. I guess. I would argue that Vulcans are highly religious society. Uh, Vulcans, are, yeah, Vulcans are religious. They're, absolutely, they have a spiritual. They have a very keen Maybe. spiritual. Um, yeah. The, the the humanist aspect of Star Trek is is that I think that it shows somewhere we go we go without reliance on the belief in gods, but it doesn't mean that the, within Star Trek we don't respect those who do have that belief. Yeah, um, you know, and that, that that's I think I mean going going through from the start. So when Picard is outraged that Doctor Crusher tries to treat that man. In, in, in a way, she's adhering to the Prime Directive because that man is only injured because of the Federation. Mm. 
So yeah. to restore him to health is to continue the thing. Um, and yeah, you get into the same thing as as, as with Sajenka. Is you you are underestimating that society if you think they are going to plunge back into some sort of dark age because this man believes one thing. It's one person. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and it, it's so I kind of. Yeah, I, I, I do feel like that. <laughs> and they're like, oh, God, here he goes again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's possible for a, for a society to integrate its religion but still retain, you know, still become logical and progressive. Yeah. It's These are not mutually exclusive things. So I think he's doing them a disservice, really, by this attitude. Um, and they can kind of, I, I, I feel the duck, the duck yeah. blind observation thing that the Federation do has merit. I know it's kind of, it seems a bit off, but, you know, actually, when you think about it, if there was a completely independent race who had, who was secretly taking records of all of our history, that'd be a marvellous resource for us one day yeah. to, to be able to look back and see this completely independent view of what's of all the of all the nonsense we were pulling, it'd be brilliant. And, that, so and I think there's benefits. I think it's based on on uh, the kind of research that we do now in the present day. I think there there is uh, there there are sort of research studies where um, you know the people that like, I don't, you know it's not like a futuristic human, yeah like other human cultures that de- that aren't that don't have... Yeah, but um, no, anthropologists don't sit in a duck blind and watch people. They go in mm. and they learn about them. Yeah, okay, okay. But there's, like, an element of, like, observing and... Um, well, yeah. But, yeah, okay, they're, they're not... Uh, they don't create a holographic uh, duck blind and sit in the middle of their village <laughs> and... Um, mm-hmm. No, and yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I think if you're going to do it, you need to make sure that it's re- fucking reliable, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it does amuse me, and because th- this also ties into uh, insurrection as well, because they they have the same setup in insurrection, don't they? Mm-hmm. And um, it does amuse me that they send data down there, like one of the mo- one of the least. <laughs> Uh, predictable members of the least predictable of most hackable members. <laughs> so yeah, how many? How many? In terms of of all the crew members on the Enterprise that have had the most sort of goof em ups. <laughs> yeah, I think Data's pr- near the top of the list. I would say, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like we'll send you down for this incredibly delicate mission. <laughs> Yeah, like what would what would fuck up a society more like like a regular organic uh, like alien that they haven't encountered or oh I know let's send a really unpredictable robot because <laughs> <laughs> if he goes wrong oh my god <laughs> he's gone wrong. <laughs> well, the, the other one I briefly wanted to mention, I think, is something that we've talked about a little while ago on the podcast is. Um, is is the episode The Hunted, where the Enterprise has been sent to sort of assess a civilization that wants to join the Federation. Um, and we join, and in the episode, I think we join them towards the end of that process where they've been around and they, they're very impressed. And, and 
the and the 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 new the civilization like the Agosians, I think they're called, want they mm, they need Agosians, some help yeah. with a with a ship that's that's sort of left orbit, and the Enterprise helps, and it turns out that the ship is piloted by a character called Roger Dana, who is a soldier, um, sort of a, a leftover from a, a from a conflict that they had with another culture. Um, um, and he's but he Rogadena is escaping from like a, a a place where these soldiers are kept, and and my 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 criticism of the actions of the Enterprise and Picard, and Picard here is that is that they involve themselves in this culture and then sort of and they they set in they set in they set in place a series of events which leads to potentially the collapse of the civilization or the the governing structure of that civilization and they leave it they literally leave it for them to work out themselves my problem is is that they 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 in they interfered in this culture so they should have had a part in resolving the problem they didn't have to resolve it in terms of getting directly involved but they should have at least stayed around to sort of make sure things were at least not going to completely collapse but they just sort of they just sort of leave yeah, so I, have, I have a problem with that. If I if I remember rightly, the the kind of last moments of the episode are pretty much Picard just going, "Well, it's up to you guys what happens next," and they're basically giving them all the finger and then just beaming back onto the Enterprise. Picard, you can't leave us like this. I have all the information I need for my report. Your prisoner has been returned to you, and you have a decision to make: whether to try and force them back. I welcome them home. In your own words, this is not our affair. We cannot interfere in the natural course of your society's development. And I'd say it's going to develop significantly in the next few minutes. Which works well for a TV episode. And I, I don't, I, I don't, I, I get, I get, I sort of get it, I guess. But I, I just, I just think that it's not as though the things that happened didn't that happened outside of the influence of the of the, the of the enterprise being there i think they were, i think they were set in motion because because of of the enterprise being there so they should have had a, a role in sort of managing it managing what happened afterwards yeah and is it is it right that picard just relinquishes all responsibility <laughs> of that at the end of the episode it just goes nah <laughs> you guys sort it out yeah uh, I'm not sure I, I, I don't think that Dana's escape was necessarily motivated by the Enterprise they became involved absolutely uh, and I know you and me Rick we've disagreed on this before but ultimately I think the, the treatment of their their super soldiers is absolutely on the Angosians heads um and if they, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a really, I mean, it's a really shitty way to treat these people that they basically bred for their own war purposes. So that's kind of rubbish. And I, yeah, I just kind of, I don't know. In a, in a way, yes, as, as a potential member, the Federation could advise them and help them. But also I kind of feel like, as we've been saying about the Federation being too overbearing and, you know, trying to come in and tell everyone what's best. Maybe it's best they sort of back off and say, do you know what? You guys sort yourselves out here. I think you've got some issues to resolve before we carry on with this. 
And from mm. that point of view, I kind of agree with Picard saying, I think you guys need to sort out how you treat your your war veterans, essentially. Um, because it's it's crap. And yes, that's judgmental attitude in itself. But I think I'd rather they sort of say that one thing than compound it by, by sticking around and bossing them about how to sort it all out. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could argue that that, that sort of viewpoint is contradictory to how the TNG crew and the, and the Federation <laughs> act in most other uh, situations. Star- um, are you saying sometimes Star Trek is inconsistent? Well, <laughs> I suppose. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare say such a thing, Rick. <laughs> I, I just think that because because the 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 first contact is already in place and the and the you know the 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 things that are happening to sort of consider membership of the federation i just i just think that that level of involvement means that that the federation should have some responsibility in in sort of calming down the situation at least so they don't have to they don't have to do they don't have to get majorly involved but just just make sure that the I don't know, like the, the society doesn't completely collapse. <laughs> Which it could. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, so surely they have a responsibility to members of, of the Federation. So, mm. if they hadn't, it, if they, if they hadn't, if this wasn't a situation where they, where a civilization was going to become part of the Federation or had applied for membership and they were being mm. considered and that process wasn't in place, if it had just been, if it had just come about because, Federation science, Federation members were on that planet and then got in a mess up or something. And I agree. If they got messed up in a situation with with super soldiers who were being treated unfairly, I agree that, that that's not a situation to get entirely involved in. And and but because because of the Federation membership thing, because because this said this episode set starts with with almost the culmination of that process, which the enterprise has been involved in, then I do think they have a responsibility to to at least mm. address the civil unrest caused by what's happened by that by their time there. Mm. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, as a, as a show of goodwill, um, some sort of advisory thing would mm. be helpful. Um, and I suppose, in, in a way, the episode ends like Picard's just like, do you know what? I can't really be fucked with this. Um, yeah. maybe not the best <laughs> maybe not the best like, looking attitude it makes good it, TV I have to admit yeah, it does feel like again like it's a situation where they're like well we've got, we're 40 minutes in so we have to wrap this up so how are we going to get out of this let's just have Picard say Phew. okay yeah <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good ending <laughs> do it um, like a, like a police squad, a police squad ending where they where they all stay still, like they <laughs> with the end credits play. Yeah, <laughs> that would be good. I mean, I suppose um, there's there's kind of an, a, a bit of a satisfaction that the the stuffy prime minister guy um, doesn't doesn't get his way in the end. Yeah, um, true. And yeah. you know, Captain Maxwell would be all like, oh that's it, stick it to the bureaucrats. Because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> he hates bureaucrats. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, we, we've, got, we've gone over this before, Rick, and obviously I think we're sort of fairly set in our opinions. And that's, that's actually nice that you can spark that and have different things of it. So, 
Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Of course, mm. man. That's that's the joy of it. And is it uh, is the uh, prime minister played by Zafran Cochrane? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yes, um, James Cromwell. Yeah, yeah. before no, no, he's no, super gluing himself no. to things. You said <laughs> it wrong. It's Cochrane. You got the <laughs> James Cromwell is where the does, character. Where does the little pig? <laughs> Oh no, Gemma! You've ruined it. You've gone outside what? of the universe. And <laughs> um, uh, Babe, Babe, the Did pig's fa- farmer was Ephraim, Cochran, was Ephraim Cochran's great grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> so, which of them was Jack uh, Bauer's dad? Jeez. Um, oh, oh, good question. Which of them? Which of them is the partner of John Hammond in Jurassic Park films? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which some of them is in uh, L.A. Confidential? He is, yeah, yeah, he is in that film, yeah. What, with Mike from uh, Neighbours? Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he, he has terrible short-term memory. He did, yeah, he does in, in uh, Memento. <laughs> I feel like this is brilliant sort of bamboozling away to... <laughs> They let's end the episode because yeah, with that James Cromwell chat, um, <laughs> let's end the episode. I think it's quite clear the conclusions that we've reached, <laughs> and we don't really need to patronise our listeners by confirming <laughs> what those conclusions were. Rounding them up, it'd <laughs> <laughs> be overkill, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's fair to say there are definite uh, definite points in episodes where characters cross a line or do something questionable. And Scotty it's... murders a, um, a sex worker. Oh, God, we haven't even go. talked about yeah. that. Do you know what I'm going to yeah. say? In the, in the interest of try, trying, trying to finish this episode, I don't know if we should open that kind of <laughs> uh, murders. Because <laughs> uh, because initially I thought Rick was going to cover that one. I yeah. um, I did watch it yesterday, and oh dear God, my eyes, my eyes. Um, <laughs> we can we can we can do an episode about that. I think. I think we're. Going I think off. we're going to have to one day. I, I mean, God, my eyes, my eyes. <laughs> I think we should. I, I think, think we should. Yeah. I think that could be our even. That could be our next uh, meeting. We discuss yeah. wolf. Fold. It is Wolf in the Fold, isn't it? The one yeah, it is Wolf in the Fold. I see mean, maybe yeah. <laughs> because of how much he hates women. <laughs> yeah. oh. Whether he did the murder or not, he really does hate women. The, yeah, there's no question no, about yeah. that. <laughs> that. That's explicitly stated at the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, a weird episode. <laughs> <laughs> we, should, we, have, we have to finish this one um, or we'll yes. never get to talk about that one so um, yeah I think this, this I've really enjoyed this one I think we've we've had some really good discussions yeah. Um, yeah. do you hope our listeners feel the same yes <laughs> I would say it was possibly not as um, precise as we intended it to be. No, it's certainly, certainly not as concise. <laughs> or as nice. <laughs> but you can't say that we don't deliver 
uh, quantity. You can't. <laughs> yes. yeah. You can argue against West quality Scotland. of yeah. our episodes, but I think quantity-wise, this this one uh, had that. <laughs> so yeah, we we have definitely talked mostly about Star Trek for two hours. So. Yeah, we really have. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening, everyone. If you if you still are, and. <laughs> <laughs> We will be back in the future to talk about more Star Trek mm-hmm. for definite. Definitely. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> thank, you. Bye. thank you. Bye. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, bye. everyone. Do you realize how incredible this is? It's tradition. You ever noticed that bum? What? That bum. Oh, no. I will say. I will say. Fewer things. Fewer things. Enough of this self-indulgence. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, our website is www.loweredexradio.co.uk. You can reach us on the Twitters at at 10 backward, 10 being the number and backward being the word backward. We're also on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 10 backward podcast. You can also email us at crew at loweredexradio.co.uk. On a personal, individual level, my Twitter is at Will Turland. Rick Everson's Twitter is at TrekFanRick. And Rick Palmer's Twitter is at Mr. Imhotep. Hi, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you might consider supporting us. We have now have a Patreon uh, where people can... Uh, pledge small amounts to fund our ongoing projects like uh, keeping our website up to date uh, um, new audio equipment as we're going along and potentially uh, opportunities to expand our content uh, you can go look at this at patreon.com forward slash radio uh, if you don't feel you can donate but would still like to support us we would love it if you could subscribe to us or however get your podcast through iTunes, Stitcher Google Play or we're on various third party apps and if you could leave us a review on any of those that would be fantastic and would be very appreciative Thanks again for listening and please tune in for more podcasts from the 10 Backward Crew Let's make sure that history never forgets the name 10 Backward Laddie Don't you think you should rephrase that 10 Backward 10 Backward Sir, I realize my actions were in violation of Starfleet regulations, but... Regulations? We're not talking about some obscure technicality, Mr. Worf. You tried to commit premeditated murder.